I don't know if you heard about the pastor who was every Sunday he'd get up here and he would get ready to preach his sermon, but before he would start preaching, he would just bow his head and he would pray silently to God for help. And then when he was finished with that, he would jump right into his sermon. Well, he had a little five-year-old granddaughter who watched him do that every Sunday. And so one Sunday after church, as they were eating lunch together, she asked him why he always bowed his head before he preached. And he said, well, honey, I'm praying to God and asking Him to help me preach a good sermon. And the granddaughter responded, why doesn't God ever answer your prayer, Grandpa? (laughs) Surely that won't be my granddaughter someday uh, asking that. (laughs) God doesn't always answer our prayers the way we ask, does He? And each of us could give testimony to that fact. We have prayed and and asked God for a certain answer. And over time, it becomes apparent that God has a different plan. And the Apostle Paul could give testimony to that as well. He had some kind of thorn in his flesh, the Scripture says. There was something physically not right with Paul. It was more than a hangnail. It was something big. It It was a a major thing for him, and he asked God three times to remove that thorn from his flesh, and God answered him, no. My grace is sufficient for you. And that was an instance where Paul had to simply trust God. He had to accept the fact that God's ways are not always lined up with our ways, and when that's the case, We have to trust Him. We have to submit ourselves to Him. And to know that He is good and He is faithful and and uh, His ways are different than our ways. We may not have everything figured out, but we know that He does and He is not going to abandon us, nor will He fail us. And one thing we can know for sure, He is going to grow us through the hard times. He will use the fire that we are going through and He will burn out the impurities in us and make us stronger if we trust Him. Now, if we don't trust Him, then the fire can be that which brings us down. It can absolutely consume us and destroy us. You've heard the old saying go like this, the same sun that melts the butter hardens the clay. And it really is our choice. When we go through a hard time, we can choose to trust Him and grow through that hardship, or we can choose to not trust Him. We can choose instead maybe to become bitter towards Him and then deal with that as well, the consequences of that and the the hardship that comes from that choice. I want to talk to you this morning about how to pray. I mentioned to you three Sundays ago that we need to find a place to pray. We need to find a time that works good for us to pray. And we need to find a plan. We need to have a plan. In other words, we need to know how to pray. Now, I recognize for a good number of people in our congregation, this will be a uh, a sermon dealing with foundational stuff. This will be a review for a lot of people. But in my mind, a review can be very good for all of us. 
The big boys in Major League Baseball, every spring, what do they do? They go to spring training and they go back to the basics. They play catch with each other and they practice their, their fielding technique and their bunning technique and they work on all of the basics of the game. And so here, it, it will be good for us to look at the basics, the foundational stuff about prayer, I think that can be helpful to each and every one of us. And we remember, too, that in a congregation our size, both first service and in second service, that there are people here that this will be brand new stuff for them. And so for those folks, I hope that this will be very helpful. I want to give to you a word and make an acrostic from it, and we'll use that word to be a guide to help us know how to pray. The word is active. Okay, now if you've been around here for quite a while, probably you thought I was going to use the word acts because that has been the guide that I've used in my uh, personal praying for years and years. But uh, I was reading a book recently uh, entitled Extreme Prayer. And the author of this book had this word active as a guide, and I thought it was very good. Now, it's very similar to Acts, which many of you will be familiar with, but it has some different things to it as well. Now, please understand, this is a very loose guide on how to pray. I'm not suggesting that every time we pray, we follow this this guide very rigidly. I I don't want it to be that way. I, I simply want it to be a guide that will help us touch on some things that are very important when it comes to prayer. The letter A stands for adoration. He is worthy of our adoration and praise. And I think this is a very appropriate way for us to begin our prayers. Rather than for us to begin our prayers with a lot of requests, and Lord, I need this and I want that, instead, we are coming to Him and we are taking the time simply to adore Him. We are giving to Him the praise that He deserves. I mentioned to you that I had been to a a seminar several years ago, back when I was a freshman in Bible college, I went to this seminar called Change the World School of Prayer. After I had preached that sermon a few weeks ago, having mentioned that, Larry and Vicki Shedd came up to me all excited. They had told me that, hey, we, we attended that same seminar just in a different city as what you did. It was that weekend seminar that changed my life because it opened my eyes and it made my my world more aware of God and who He is and our need to praise Him and the fact that He is so deserving of that praise. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is the creator of the universe and He is the creator of you and me. And this is one of the reasons that I really uh, enjoy hunting. I get to be out there in God's creation and I see things from time to time that normally people don't get to see. I was hunting just recently with Lester Waring, one of the older fellows in our congregation and in first service. We've hunted several times together here over these last few weeks. 
And we were sitting on the edge of a field together, and three does walked out into that field, and one of them sensed that we were there. She saw us, but she could not get a whiff of us. In other words, the wind was going in our favor. It wasn't taking our scent towards this doe. Uh, She was seeing us and she was thinking, that doesn't look right uh, from what I normally see here, but she couldn't smell us. And so what did she do? She started walking towards us. And Lester and I just froze. I mean, we weren't batting an eye. And that doe was walking towards us. I bet it walked within 20 yards of us and it stopped. It's looking at us. It's trying to figure us out. And we're just not even moving. And what's that doe do? Takes its right front hoof and taps the ground three times. And still we are just froze solid. And then it takes its left front hoof and taps the ground three times. I know it was trying to get us to to move uh, so that that she could figure out who or what we were, but we were froze solid, and I don't. She's trying to call us out to dance with her or what? And fi- Lester wouldn't go out there. I wouldn't go out there. Finally, the doe lost interest in us and turned around and walked off with its tail up high. But it's, it's God's creation. It's things like that, that that we can see and we can know that He is God. He's an amazing God. An amazing Creator. He is the light of the world. And He's our provider and protector. He is our Savior and our guide. He is our comforter. He is our rock. When the world around us is topsy-turvy, He is rock solid. And all we got to do is just look around us, look back into the last week, and we see so many evidences that this world is topsy-turvy. This week, we could look at at the shooting in Paris. Uh, The week before that, it was something different. But every week there's something out there in the world that that is reminding us the world is is just on shaky ground and we come here on a Sunday or we get in our prayer closet and we open this book up and we are reminded that our God is rock solid. And we can stand on Him. And He is immovable. He is holy. And He is patient. And He is gracious. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Did you notice in our singing this morning, a couple of different songs had the word hallelujah in it? What's that word mean? It means praise the Lord. And I was just so, (laughs) just shaking my head over the the holidays from Christmas to New Year's as I was, was having the TV on from time to time. They were advertising for the, the four teams in the college playoff and and the and the national championship that was to come do you remember that that advertisement it said hallelujah the playoffs are here and i'm thinking hallelujah what how ironic how hypocritical we live in a world that is trying to get god out 
of our conversation, and the media brings the word hallelujah into this this idea of the playoffs are here. Do they even know what the word hallelujah means? The world is mixed up. But our God is rock solid. He is he, he is together. He is the same today as He was yesterday and what He will be tomorrow. He is faithful. He is just. He is all-powerful. And there is no one, including the devil, who will be able to remove Him from His throne. I could go on and on this morning talking about the glory of God, the splendor of God, the reasons for which we can adore Him and give Him praise. That's what the book of Psalms is so much about. As you read through Psalms, it's, it's David's prayers and he is giving praise to God. If you concentrate on praise to God, and you come into a deeper awareness of who He is, and you exalt Him in your praying, it will change your life. I've said to you each week, prayer changes everything. And I have tried to make it very clear to you, prayer will change you. If you give yourself to a greater uh, devotion towards prayer, and you get to know God more intimately, it will change you. And so too, this giving praise to God, it will change you. You grow in your adoration to Him. It will change the person that you are. C stands for confession. And we need to do this. We're all sinners. Dusty mentioned that a little bit ago in in the worship service of singing. We're all sinners and we need to confess our sins to God. Note, I did not say that we need to confess our sins to the priest so that we can be forgiven. Instead, we can go directly to God the Father and ask Him to forgive us of our sins. Now, there is a benefit in confessing our sins to one another. Uh, on the screen, you see James chapter 5, verse 16. It is a very scriptural thing for us to confess our sins to one another. If you confess your sins to me, or if I confess my sins to you, then we can pray for each other. And we can encourage each other. And if I have a, have a sin uh, that's something that you can help me with, or vice versa then this is a good thing. We are helping one another in our battle against the evil one. But there is nothing in Scripture that indicates that we need to confess our sins to the priest who in turn will go to the Father in our behalf. No, Jesus has broken down that dividing wall and He has made it possible for us directly to go to to God and receive forgiveness as we ask Him and confess our sins to Him. Let me read to you one of the most beautiful promises in the Bible. 1 John 1.9. Maybe you can quote that Scripture. If you can, it would be a good one for you to memorize. It says this, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 
Do you notice there are no limitations put on that? He will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Our slate can be wiped clean if we go to Him in genuine repentance and confess those sins to Him. Now I want to encourage you, as you confess your sins to God, don't just make a blanket confession to Him saying, Lord, forgive me of all my sins and then go from there. Now I want to encourage you to be specific. And your being specific to God about your sins is is as much for your benefit even more so than it is for His benefit. He, He already knows what your sins are. You and I need to know what our sins are and we need to confess them to Him. Lord, forgive me for how I have treated my spouse, the words that I have said, or how I have treated her or him. Forgive me for being impatient. Forgive me for losing my temper. Lord, forgive me for being selfish. Forgive me for being jealous. Forgive me, Lord, for my greed. Lord, forgive me for what I'm looking at on my computer or on my phone. Someone was talking to me just this last week about their concern over the sin of pornography in society and and how that has crept into the church as well. And I'm thinking, it's not just creeping into the church, it is stampeding into the church. It is invading the church. I was looking on a website just this last week, a, a, a study or a research that has been done on the subject of pornography, and these are some of the statistics that I found. 50% of Christian men are addicted to pornography. And that's why I said it's not just creeping into the church. We are talking about a serious problem. One in five mobile searches have to do with pornography, according to this research. 24% of smartphone owners admit to having pornographic material on their phone. Nine out of ten boys were exposed to pornography before the age of 18. And the average age of first-time exposure for males is around the age of 12 years old. 68% of young adult men and 18% of young adult women use porn at least once every week. We're talking a very, very serious matter. Pornography destroys our marriages, it destroys our families, it destroys our minds and our personal purity, it belittles women, it endangers children, it is a rebellion against God. And hear me say this, if you are looking at pornography, you cannot have the kind of relationship with God that He wants to have with you and that you need to have with Him. It's a sin. And it must be repented of. And if this is your sin, then you need to find some some help in overcoming this destructive 
addiction. Now, to just sweep this sin under the carpet, or any other sin under the carpet, and not deal with it, is to invite spiritual disaster into your life. Let me read to you from Psalms chapter 32. You may remember that David, for a while, swept his sin under the carpet. His sin with Bathsheba. He had committed adultery with this woman, and he just swept it under the carpet. He did not want to deal with it. And finally, it was brought out into the open. Nathan the prophet came to him and exposed his sin. This is what David later writes. He says, Blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord does not count against him, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Confession is a necessary part of our prayers to God. And that confession needs to be accompanied by a brokenness and a willingness to change with God's help. A stands for adoration or praise. C stands for confession. And T stands for thanksgiving. Now notice this this is different than praise to God. Praise is adoring Him for who He is. Thanksgiving is a confession of our blessings from God. Thanksgiving is is what God has, has done and is doing for us personally. Thank you God for my health. Thank you, God, for my wife. Thank you for my husband. Thank you for our kids. Thank you for my grandbaby. Thank you, Lord, for my friends. Thank you for my freedom. Thank you, Lord, for my home. Thank you for providing for me. Thank you for my job. Now, most of us here that have work there's there's probably something about that job that we could find that we really don't like and and if we're not careful we can focus on that which we don't like and we can we can groan and moan about that we need to be thankful to god if we've got a job i've got a brother-in-law stan he has been without a job for a year since last september and he just ha- hasn't been able to find a job, and he has been trying. He's discouraged over that. Be thankful if you've got a job. One of the things I'm thankful for is to be able to say to God, God, thank you that my kids love you. Thank you that they are living their faith and that they are serving you. There are so many things that we, if we just open our eyes and, and are aware of, of what God is doing in our life, we have reason to be thankful. You know what else I need to be thankful for? 
my hardships. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, In everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Is that easy to do? No. It's not easy to be thankful for the hardships themselves, but we can be thankful for what God is doing in our life through that hardship and how He is carrying us and how He is going to grow us through that hardship. I tell you what, being thankful for hardship is a whole lot better than being bitter about hardship. And really, those are our two options. When hardship comes our way, we can be thankful and we can be trusting God that He's going to keep His promises. He's going to take us through the hardship. He's going to be our peace amidst the storm. Isn't that what we sang about? He's going to be our lighthouse. Or we can choose to become bitter and angry. And go down that road, which is not a good road to go down. I have truly tried to find thanksgiving, even amidst my dad's passing away back in July. And I I will tell you, I miss him more and more. I would have loved here these last few weeks to be able to talk to him on the phone and tell him about my hunting experiences and tell him about that doe and what what that doe did and just the fun times and and uh, to share share those experiences I, I, w- I would have loved here a couple of weeks ago to have taken my dad with me as, as I went to the Sprint Center in Kansas City. I took Cindy and, and Rebecca, my daughter, and her boyfriend Luke, and we went to a, a Missouri basketball game against Oklahoma State. And, and uh, my dad was a big Missouri fan. I would have loved to have had him with me or at least to get on the phone and say, hey, th- that game was great. And I kept saying to myself all last summer, I need to get my dad together and and with me and Jonathan. We need to go to a game in St. Louis and watch the Cardinals play baseball this season. And, And he passed away in July and we didn't get that done. Come September, the season was about over. I said, I'm gonna do that with my son. And we did. But rather than focusing so much just on what I've lost, I've tried to focus on the good, the memories, the the blessings that my dad was to me. Two weeks before he died, we went together, my mom and he, My mom and dad and Cindy and I went to Jonathan's house for a weekend. I had taken the Sunday off and and we spent uh, from Friday through Sunday together at Jonathan's house and we had the most delightful weekend. Uh, Jonathan had three jobs that he needed help with. And uh, my dad and I teamed up with him and and together we fixed his ice machine. We, We actually hooked his ice machine up uh, to his refrigerator, and we we repaired his dryer, 
and uh, we we built a shed in the in his backyard. And that whole weekend, not one crossword was said between anyone, and it was just the most wonderful weekend. It reminded me of some weekends, some times when he had come to my house and helped me on some projects through the years. And I'm thinking back to to shortly after we had moved into our home out there on Maple Road. He was there for a weekend, and and we put up a basketball goal together. And on that, that concrete pad, still today, his writing, the date to Jonathan from Pawpaw. And I'm thinking of, of, the, of the number of hours that we spent together when we were adding on to the front of our house there. And my dad came out and, and uh, we wired that whole front addition together. And I'm thinking of the day several years ago now that we, we were going to add on to the back of our house and uh, had been told that we needed to change the amp box at our home, the electrical amp box, from a 100 amp to a 200 amp box. And, and my dad had agreed to come and help me on that job. And, and it was a day like one of these days just this last week when the wind chill was down around zero and we were out working together on that job. And, and we could have been called crazy <laughs> on that day. And we were. But we worked together several hours outside, put, putting in a new meter and up on the roof and tying in to the, to the wire coming over from the pole. And then once we got that outside job done, we were inside the garage and, and changing out the box and all of the breakers. And it was a major, major job that we, we didn't finish until after dark that day. And I'm thinking about all of those kinds of times together and you know what it makes me thankful I, I could I could be focusing on my loss completely but instead I'm choosing I, I'm going to be thankful that doesn't mean there's no hurt doesn't mean that there's no emotion but I am going to be thankful because that's what God wants from every single one of us. He, he says, in everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Colossians 3.15 says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Colossians 3.17 says, Whatever you do, in word or in deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks through Him to God the Father. And Psalms 50, verse 14 says, Offer to God a sacrifice of thanksgiving and pay your vows to the Most High. We need to be a people of thanksgiving. And I'm thinking too, if we raise our level of gratitude, it's going to raise our level of joy. We'll feel better about ourselves. We'll feel better about life. We will be more honorable to God and we will be a more pleasant person to be around if we're thankful. 
I want to stop there. We're out of time. And this will be a two-part sermon because I don't want to shortchange the other three points. But let me give to you a heads up as to what the next three letters are going to be. I stands for intercession. V stands for vanquishing Satan. And E stands for extreme prayer. And those next three points, we'll look at that next week. Jesus wants us to pray. I'm mindful of His words to His disciples in the, in the Garden of Gethsemane. He said, could you not watch with me and pray for one hour? He longed for His disciples to pray with Him. In our case, He longs for us to pray to Him. Now, does that mean that if we don't pray for an hour that He's disappointed with us? I don't think so. But I think that would be a good thing for us to do from time to time, is to pray for an hour. I mean, it's nothing for us to sit down and watch a TV show for an hour. It's nothing. Uh, I, I wonder how many of us this afternoon will turn the TV on and there's two football games on today, that if we watch all of those games, how many hours are we spending? And I'm not, I'm not bashing that. I'm just saying, if we can do that, surely an hour with Him in prayer would be a good thing for us to do. I do think it's a discipline. But I do think it's a privilege too. And He has invited us to come to Him. Prayer changes everything and prayer will change you if you'll take the time for it. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank You for giving us the invitation to come before You. To enter into Your presence. Teach us, Lord, how to pray. In Jesus' name.